Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Here in that gospel reading that we just heard from John chapter 1, we see two examples of early evangelists sharing the good news of Jesus, the Savior of the world. First, we see the example of John the Baptist, or the baptizer, who, as we mentioned earlier in the service, was a professional public preacher of God's word. Now, as far as we know, John wasn't a professional in the sense that that is what he got paid for doing. We, we don't know that he, he got paid or received donations, though perhaps uh, those who came out to hear him preach might have, have given him gifts of, of food or, or other material support. But we do know that John lived a, a rather eccentric lifestyle. He lived out in the wilderness, and he appeared to have lived off the land. He wore clothing made from camel's hair, and he ate bugs. He ate uh, wild locusts and, and honey. And so that was, again, part of the, the attraction of, of the people to go out and see this rather uh, strange-looking character, but especially to hear the powerful message that he proclaimed. We know that John had been called by God, even from the time before he was born, to this special task of being the forerunner of the Savior, the one who would be tasked with preparing the hearts of God's people to receive the Savior that God had promised to send for, for hundreds and, and at this point even thousands of years now that Jesus had come. Recall that even before John was born, God had sent his angel Gabriel to announce to John's father, Zechariah, that this miracle baby that Zechariah's wife Elizabeth would have in her old age, when she had been barren up to that point in her old age, that miracle child would be the one who would prepare the hearts of God's people, prepare a people for God who are ready for the Lord. And John himself later summarized his mission from God in verse 31 of our reading when he said, I came baptizing with water so that he, referring to Jesus, would be revealed to Israel. We see that this public preaching of John the Baptist was evangelism in its purest form. We see that John's ministry summed up in, in the climax of the evangel, evangelism, the gospel, the good news that, Jesus, uh, that John was sharing about Jesus. We see him mention that two times uh, just in these short verses of our reading. Uh, the beginning of, of this verse of our reading from John chapter 1 follows on a ministry that John had been doing the previous day, recorded in, in the verses just preceding this reading, when the, the Pharisees, a, a rather um, strict sect of, of, of Jewish people, believers in God, but who prided themselves on their own good works and their own righteousness and outward obedience. They were a bit suspicious of this guy out in the wilderness proclaiming God's news, uh, proclaiming God's word, the good news. And so they sent uh, some people to kind of spy out what John was doing. And then after John had responded to them and told them that he is not the Christ, he was not setting himself up as, as the Savior leading people astray, with, with lies and deceptions, but he said, no, I am not the Christ. I am the one who comes before preparing his way. And then we read in the beginning of, of our text today that the very next day after John had said that, then when he saw Jesus walking there, he pointed everyone who was within hearing distance to look at Jesus. 
whom John called the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. And then in our text later on, we see that just a day later, when again John saw Jesus there, he again repeated this wonderful testimony to two of his, John's own disciples, to Andrew and to another disciple who is not named here, perhaps indicating that this was John, the disciple of Jesus, who wrote the Gospel book of John. And John the Baptist told them about Jesus again, look, the Lamb of God. By referring to Jesus as the Lamb of God, John was telling his disciples and everyone else who was there within earshot that Jesus is the promised Savior. Jesus is the only one who could free them from the eternal consequences of their sins. John was echoing that gospel promise that is found in the 53rd chapter of the the book of the prophet Isaiah, which describes the Messiah as a lamb who is led like like a sheep to the slaughter. Later, the apostles Paul and and Peter would use that same reference to Jesus as that sacrificial lamb who sacrificed himself to pay for our sins. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, the apostle Paul wrote, referring to Jesus as our Passover lamb who has been sacrificed. And the apostle Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 1, reminding us that you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ like a lamb without blemish or spot. And then we see that John also testified that God himself had given John a sign by which to identify the Savior that was about to appear on the scene. And so John testifies about that that message, that sign that God had given to him in verses 32 through 34 of our text. He said, I saw the Spirit descend like a dove from heaven and remain on him. I myself did not recognize him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, The one on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, he is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this myself and have testified that this is the Son of God. So John testified that Jesus is the Son of God. He himself is the eternal God. And we see this back up in verse 30, when John said, This is the one I was talking about when I said, The one coming after me outranks me because he existed before me. Which is easy for us to to read past quickly without really thinking about what is John talking about. When we stop and think about it and we go back and reread Luke chapter 1, we see that, well, no, no. Actually, John was conceived before Jesus was conceived. John was born before Jesus was born. John apparently existed before Jesus did, humanly speaking. But no, John was acknowledging that Jesus is not just an average human being. That in fact, Jesus had existed from eternity because he is also true God, the true eternal Son of God himself. And so John the Baptist here is confessing the same thing that John the Apostle, the Gospel writer, wrote about uh, right at the beginning of John chapter 1 when he said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him everything was made, and without him not one thing was made that has been made. So John is saying that the Word, referring to Jesus, the Son of God, has existed from eternity. 
that he himself is God. That before God created the earth or the universe or anything in them, Jesus existed. He has always existed. John the Baptist knew and testified that Jesus is the eternal Son of God and that he is the Savior whom God had promised to send to rescue all people from their sins. This gospel, this good news about the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world is still the message that is heard today in countless numbers of Christian churches all around the world. As the Apostle Paul testified in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we preach Christ crucified. That is the essence of the true Christian message, that Jesus sacrificed himself on the cross as, as a sacrificial lamb to pay for the sins of the world. This Lamb of God is the only one through whom we can receive forgiveness and salvation. And we see right away that that preaching of the gospel by John the Baptist was immediately successful. Two of John's own disciples up to that point, right away, listened to his words. They began to go and follow Jesus instead of following John. After they heard that testimony from John about Jesus as the Lamb of God. And as we mentioned, our text identifies one of those two disciples as Andrew, the brother of Peter. The other is unidentified, uh, very likely John, the author of the gospel. Both of these men, we know, later became professional preachers. That was their full-time job. That's what they devoted their, their life. And eventually, uh, the apostle Andrew gave up his life. He was killed because of his preaching of the gospel. And John uh, lived into old age, but, but suffered greatly, was imprisoned on a, on a desert isle for at least the later years of his life after they had been sent out by Jesus as his apostles, as full-time missionaries, evangelists, spreading the good news about himself as the Savior. But at this point, they were still just professional fishermen, not professional preachers. We know from elsewhere in the Gospels that Andrew worked together with his brother Peter in the fishing business and that John worked together with his father Zebedee and with his brother James. And from what we also read in the Gospels, it seems that even after they first interacted with Jesus, that they continued in their work in the fishing industry until perhaps about a year or so after the events that we read about in the Gospel reading for today. So at this early stage, it seems that they, that they split their time between continuing to be fishermen and also following Jesus and, and listening to him and his teaching. And so they were laymen in our modern sense of the word, not yet public ministers of the gospel. Let me see, what was the first thing that Andrew did after he met with Jesus and, and heard from Jesus that day? Our text tells us in verse 41, the first thing Andrew did was to find his own brother Simon and say to him, we have found the Messiah. Notice that word first. The first thing he did. He didn't waste any time. Right after he and John had got done talking to Jesus that day, he wanted to share this good news with someone that he cared so very much about, with his own brother, Simon Peter. That took priority over anything else that was before him at that moment. We can sense his urgency and his excitement here in John's recording of, of Andrew's witness to Peter. 
we also notice that there's nothing really fancy or complicated about Andrew's witness about Jesus to his brother. He and John had, had just spent the day with Jesus, and they had undoubtedly listened for many hours to Jesus' words about God's salvation. And after listening to Jesus, after talking with him, after being there in his presence, they had no doubt that Jesus is the one that God had promised to send, the promised Savior. And that's what that Hebrew term Messiah and the corresponding Greek term Christ both refer to. Literally, both of those words, Messiah and Christ, mean the anointed one. And that term makes reference to the ritual of anointing in the Old Testament era when a person was going to be designated publicly to carry out a special role, having been called by God as as perhaps the king of God's people Israel, or, or as a priest, or the high priest, or as the prophet, the spokesperson of God to his people, they would publicly have olive oil, perhaps mixed with spices or fragrances, poured on top of their head as a, a visible sign that God is choosing this person for his special purpose and as a symbol of God's promise of power to to work through them to fulfill that special purpose. And then later on, the term anointed one, Messiah, was used in the prophecies of the Old Testament as a reference to that Savior of the world that God had promised to send. And so when Andrew told his brother Peter that they had found the Messiah, he was telling Peter that Jesus is the promised Savior that our people have been waiting for for thousands of years. He has finally come. Andrew's simple witness, we have found the Messiah, was blessed by God. Because we see in the very next verse, he brought him to Jesus. Just five simple words, yet they convey a wonderful fact. The beginning of that relationship of the Apostle Peter with Jesus. And as for Andrew himself, Well, we don't know very much else about him from the Bible after what we read here in these verses. He was, out of those two sets of brothers, Peter and Andrew, James and John, Andrew was, of those four, the one who was not part of Jesus' inner circle. We see that on on repeated occasions, Jesus brought Peter, James, and John with him uh, to witness some very special events. One time when Uh, The the young daughter of of a man named Jairus had died. Jesus brought Peter, James, and John with him into that room when he raised her back from the dead, back to life. When Jesus was transfigured, when his appearance was changed, and he, he revealed his glory as God up on a high mountain, and Moses and Elijah miraculously appeared and were talking with him, Jesus brought Peter, James, and John to witness that special event, but not Andrew. And then near the end of his life, on the night before he was crucified, when he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus brought all of the disciples with him, but then he brought Peter, James, and John to to go with him separately from the others uh, when Jesus was praying, not Andrew. And yet Andrew was the one that God used to bring Peter to become a disciple of Jesus. And from what we read about Andrew later in the Gospels, it seems that he was not a theological giant, at least not initially. When Jesus confronted his disciples with that problem of how they were going to feed that group of 5,000 men, not counting women and children, who had been listening to Jesus teaching all day, and they were 
not near any town or village where they could buy food. Andrew could only say that, well, here is a boy who has five loaves of bread and two fish, but what can we do with such little food for so many people? He didn't have the answer that Jesus was looking for, but we do see that Andrew was interested in people. He wanted to help people. He wanted to share the good news about Jesus the Savior with people and bring people to see Jesus. And so we see on another occasion that there were some, some ethnic Greek people who wanted to see Jesus. And they came and talked to Philip, and then Philip came and talked to Andrew. And Andrew and Philip went and, and, and told Jesus about these Greeks who wanted to meet and speak with him. And so we see that he was very passionate about bringing people to establish a relationship with Jesus. And from what we know about the disciples, the apostles, Andrew initially wasn't a, a great leader among the disciples, but he cared enough to give his personal witness about Jesus and his mission, and then to bring people to Jesus. And so we can learn from Andrew to simply tell people that we have found the Savior also. We can tell them that our faith is centered around the truth that Jesus himself expressed, that, that wonderful gospel-in-a-nutshell passage that we probably have all learned and memorized from John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. We can tell people how much we cherish for ourselves the good news that Jesus has forgiven all of our sins so that we don't need to live in guilt and shame and fear of punishment from God for the sins that we have committed. Instead, we can live with true peace and joy, filling our hearts with a certain hope of eternal life in heaven through Jesus our Savior. And like Andrew, whatever words we use to tell others about Jesus, whether it's many words or few words and with deep and profound meaning or or just a simple statement of God's love through Jesus, then, just like he did, we can invite them to come and meet Jesus by inviting them to come to join us for worship and Bible study here in our church, where they will then hear and learn more about Jesus and his word. We can also share Jesus with them by, by giving them a Bible, by giving them other reliable Christian materials like a meditations devotion booklet or a Advent or Lent devotion booklet, where they can encounter Jesus through their personal reading of his word at home. As I've interacted with many of our church members over the years, sometimes they don't always know or remember why our church is called St. Andrew Lutheran Church. Of course, churches need a name to distinguish them from other churches, so it can be just as simple as that, it's, uh, just a name, and it's good to, to name a church after one of the apostles, one of those uh, closest followers of Jesus who were, were bold missionaries of his word. But as we learn more about Andrew and the Bible, as we heard today, this name is also a reminder to us of the, the power of a simple personal witness. Tell people who Jesus is. He is our Savior. And then just invite them to come and meet Jesus. May God motivate us to do just that. And may God bring many more people to join us in faith in Jesus as the Savior, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Amen.